0: Hello everyone, and welcome to The Vector, where we discuss topics, trends, and insights driving the global space ecosystem. I'm your host, Kelly Keita ogborn Vice President of Space Commerce and Entrepreneurship at Space Foundation, and today I am so thrilled to be joined by Kathy Vidal, who is the Undersecretary of Commerce for Intellectual Property and the Director of the United States Patent and Trademark Office. As the Chief Executive of the United States Patent and Trademark Office and the Undersecretary of Commerce for IP, Kathy leads one of the largest IP offices in the world and is the principal IP advisor to the the President on incentivizing and protecting US innovation, entrepreneurship, and creativity. The Patent Office's mission is to help American workers and businesses compete and collaborate, especially in groundbreaking technologies and across all demographics. Director Vidal has spent her career championing the importance of mentoring and expanding opportunities to include more individuals from underserved communities. She has been involved on boards and committees focused on diversity and inclusion, and has mentored diverse women across the globe as part of the Fortune U.S. Department of State's Global Women's Mentoring Partnership Program. And she will build on that work today and continues to do so. Also as director of USPTO, uh, Director Vidal is working to expand American innovation for all and bring more ideas to impact, including serving as the vice chair of the Council for Inclusive Innovation, serving as the co-chair of the National Advisory Council on Innovation and Entrepreneurship, launching the Empowering Women's Entrepreneurship Initiative and expanding USPTO's pro bono services for independent inventors and small businesses. Director Vittal, thank you so much for joining us. And how do you sleep?
1: <laughs> I love that, Kelly. And thanks for having me on. And welcome everyone who's who are tuning in today. So, um, yes, there's a lot on my plate, and we are working hard to just move the needle in every way we can.
0: Well, I love it. And I, I know that the first time that we had a conversation, you know, your energy and your passion for what you're doing is just pervasive in it. And it comes across in everything you do. And I really um, appreciate your inventive and fresh eye that you're bringing to government innovation in particular. And I really do think that you're shaking things up in your position. So I'm very excited for this conversation because I think there'll be a lot of value add. Um, so just to begin, I think a lot of our viewers, you know, we have a lot of domestic viewers, we have a lot of international viewers and people generally, they know about IP, they know about the patent office, um, but I don't know if people actually understand, you know, how the agency operates and how companies can really engage with it. And so would you mind just giving a brief overview to help level set the conversation?
1: I'm happy to do that. So we engage with the community in a number of different ways. So our core role that was set forth in the U.S. Constitution was that we um, we register trademarks and we issue patents. So a lot of what we do, uh, we've got about 10,000 of our 13,000 employees who are really focused in those areas. But beyond that, we do sit in commerce. So there are roles that we play as an agency within commerce. There are roles that we play with regard to innovation that involve a lot more outreach, a lot more training. So I would suggest the first way people should get engaged with us is before they need a patent or trademark, just to learn about the offerings, learn about IP, and learn about the importance of it.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really critical point because at least me too, before I actually started to understand the whole aspect around IP, you sort of think of it as a passive thing. You think of it as something where you have an invention and then you need to protect it and you file something and, and that's it. But it seems to be a lot more involved. It is a lot more involved than that. It, it is
1: a lot more involved. And if you don't know what you're looking for, you could miss certain steps that are going to be critical to protecting your innovation, to protecting your brand, to protecting your company. And that's why we suggest people get involved early through all of our free resources, through you, you mentioned our Women's Entrepreneurship Initiative. Mm-hmm. That is something that is inclusive, not exclusive. So men are more than welcome to attend. And we have just real conversations on what does it mean to protect your IP, but also how to get funding and the importance of mentorship. And we really want to see people along their
0: entire entrepreneurship journey. Yeah. So why should people protect their IP? Let's dig into this a bit because, uh, you know, I do a lot of work with entrepreneurs and I, th- I think that that's on the forefront of a lot of people's minds, but they don't think about it as a, as a tangible thing because they assume they either want to work in a vacuum mm-hmm. and wait until their idea is at a point of fruition to start having conversations with folks, or they just think that um, they'll sort of rise above it. And I know there's obviously like very logical steps to protecting IP and the benefit of creating patents, but you live it and breathe it every day. So what advice would you impart for, for folks?
1: So I would say a couple things. One, there's a real tangible benefit to your company. So there's a lot that you do when you're involved in innovation, when you're trying to make money, when you're trying to create jobs um, that you think about. And IP might not necessarily come to mind. And it's one of the most important things you can grow within your company. So it's part of the value that you offer. And that's not just value to at, at the end of the day. So if we, if we see a lot of IPOs, if you see large companies purchasing smaller companies, a lot of it is because of their intellectual property, because right. if they haven't protected their intellectual property, then the big companies or any other company can go ahead and do the same thing without having to purchase the company. So yeah. it's, it's critical for that. Um, in addition to that, it helps early stage companies get funding. You know, if if you watch some of these TV shows where people are pitching their ideas, yeah. they always ask about intellectual property because they want to know that if they make an investment, it's going to be protected by people who might want to counterfeit it. People might want to, you know, start another business around the same technology and innovation. Um, and I have some stats, Kelly. If uh, if I could share, please. So, yeah. um, when, when used as collateral, a patent increases capital funding by seventy six percent over three years, and increases an initial public offering by 128%. Wow. Yeah, and then approval of a startup's first patent application increases its employee growth by 36% over the next five years. And one more, after five years, a company with a patent increases its sales by 80%. So that's just some hard data, but the bottom line is it's an equalizer when when you come to the table with IP there's something solid that you're presenting to funders, to a company that you may want to purchase you, um, to, you know, to government, to NASA, if you're, if you're coming with, you know, an idea that is protected, then you've got a lot more leverage.
0: I agree with that. I I've actually lived that, um, on the advisor side, because there's been plenty of companies that have put in their IP patents into pitch decks and others. Mm -hmm. And what I've noticed, especially in space with a lot of these young companies, um, The questions they'll get asked is about IP and also government validation as either the government interested in your technology eventually as a customer or have you won any sort of like SBIR, STTR grant. And so those really are two markers because it's difficult when you're trying to prove validity and and capacity building and things of a technology if you're just saying kind of like, trust me, I have a great idea.
1: I, lo- I love that part about validation, that it is a way of government validating your idea. And, and also, you know, if, if you are trying to get a contract, it says nobody else can offer this, right? Mm-hmm. So not only does it validate your idea, it says this is a differentiator because I've, you know, I've patented this so nobody else can offer this offering to you.
0: Yeah. So what kind of things are patentable? We got a question um, from our viewers on LinkedIn. What if it's a math formula? So is there a sliding scale about what's patentable and how can people start to think about that?
1: So that's a really good question. So we do offer a lot of resources on our website around this. Um, things like math formulas are not patentable. So you know anything that just exists in nature, or uh, it really has to be a discovery, not, not something or an invention, not something
0: that already exists because what we don't want a lot. Formula? What's that? What if it's a new formula that somebody came up with?
1: So if it's a mathematical formula without any practical application, That is not something that's patentable. But if somebody came up with a formula and they're solving a real world problem and they're patenting the broader idea of what they're doing with that, that's absolutely patentable. So usually, unless you're into foundational sciences, usually if you do come up with a formula, there was some problem you were trying to solve. And this is part of the solution. So the, the key is just to make sure that the patent is written in the right way.
0: Okay, that's helpful. Um, I've actually always wondered that myself because I know that there's a, there's a difference in things that you can trademark. Yeah. Um, and then patents are obviously a different a different animal. Well, and, and one other thing I want to mention is a lot of
1: times when we think of people who patent, we think about you know the Einsteins and the Edisons. And yeah. the, the one thing I love is there was an article that came out very recently and it was about Thomas Edison. By the way, his light bulb that he submitted to the patent office to get a patent is sitting on my desk. Uh, which is is amazing. Um, So, so there was an article that came out that explained that what Edison really patented was a better filament. So it wasn't the Mm -hmm. light bulb itself. It was, he created a better filament within the light bulb so that light bulbs would last longer and they'd actually be sustainable. And so, you know, when, when we think about what is patentable and who are patentees, who are inventors? You know, even, even Thomas Edison isn't Thomas Edison. If we, if we sure. hold people up to that high level of you have to come up with something as, as brilliant as the light bulb.
0: Yeah. How would you advise companies then? This is a really good point. Um, because, and you mentioned before about you know, patents with holding up in court and, and people really worried about larger companies stealing their ideas and innovation. I've worked with a lot of small companies and there is this balance in between talking in confidence about your technology to show that there's a there there, but not giving away the secret sauce. And there is a, there is a formula to that. And I know that having a patent can help, um, but what kind of advice or strategy would you, would you give folks? Because I don't want to, you know, cut people off at the knees and not be able to have that sort of conversation um, because it is, it is a real concern. I've heard a lot of small companies say, well, you know, the larger company can just afford to pay lawyers more than we can. And, and, it's, and so they just don't go through the process.
1: So I would I would say a couple of things on that. So, first of all, I don't think it's so. from our last conversation. I'll tell you that something that we launched in view of our conversation that I'm very excited about. Um, I'll also say it's not just um, large corporations that uh, I, I know people have a fear of. We are also seeing people coming in as acting as funders and trying to take the information that way. So they act mm-hmm. as if they're somebody who's going to fund your company. You share all your ideas with them, and then they take it. Often those are offshore from the U.S. I'm sure other countries have the same issue with, with some of their brilliant ideas being offshore and not them not being able to develop the technology um, within their nations. But you know, w- when I think about that question and you know, what, what resources are available, I will say, the one thing that i started after our last conversation is i went back to our pro bono organizations we have 21 nonprofit organizations that cover the entire united states they're available to you know anybody who's under resourced or even if you're not you can always call them up and see if they'll take a call and answer your questions i worked with them and now they're going to develop some collateral that they're going to put on all of their websites they're going to draft a a, a non-disclosure agreement that you can all pull down and use with larger companies. Uh, they will likely, or, or in any company, some of these funders, uh, they will also develop some other to-dos when it comes to, and to-don'ts probably when it comes to non-disclosure agreements, because sometimes the entity you're meeting with wants you to use their version. So yeah. it can tell you, they'll tell you some of the things to look out for. But I would say none of that, like non-disclosure agreements are great. I There's something that most people would always recommend I would say you, you still have to patent the idea because it's very gonna be very difficult to enforce that NDA. And if you're not on the public record as having come up with the idea first, then you may lose it. And so, um, but, but it doesn't have to be a, a very difficult or expensive patent. We, we have the ability to do provisional patent applications So if you have a full description of what you're doing, you can file one of those for under a hundred dollars, depending upon the size of the company. And at least then you have put your mark in, you've got a year to file, you know, to follow up on that and pursue it. But at least getting that filed, even if you don't know if your idea is commercially viable, get it filed because what if it is? Um, You you don't want to miss that early deadline.
0: That's interesting. Are there also a repository of patents that are available for other people to take over? There are, so um, I will say that a lot of universities
1: are really focused on tech transfer. So, yeah. um, and, and there's an organization called Autumn that all of these universities belong to. So that that's one place to think about it. Uh, we also have some materials on our website related to technologies that people want to be able to license. We want to do more in that regard. So we are working internationally, including with the World Intellectual Property Organization on how can we get these technologies out there more for people who do want to license and build on them and build companies. Because some people will go the whole arc, they'll invent, they'll build a company, but some people just want to do the inventions and some people just want to commercialize. So we are trying to do all we can to make sure that that ecosystem works.
0: Yeah, we're seeing more and more of that trend. The last vector conversation we had was with NASA's tech transfer office, who is really trying to make everyone aware that there are these great NASA inventions that have been funded by the government, validated by the government that are available for people. Because especially in space, because the opportunity is there, the investment is there. um, Some people may not have the, the basic science knowledge to develop something, but they could definitely take it to the next level. And being able to leverage something that, already exists it's it's secured they just need to create the scalability plan is a really good option
1: well and i i I listened to that with meredith reeves that that was a fantastic session that you had and you know nasa nasa does most everything better than anyone so i just i'm I'm so happy that they're one of our sister agencies on the tech transfer we're trying to do even more of that across government because there's so many innovations within government that have commercial applications that the government is not interested in pursuing. So that's an excellent resource for uh, intellectual property that you might want to license. And I'll just give you an example. I mean, I, I run marathons and, you know, those blankets you put on afterwards that, that keep you warm, those are space blankets, those, yeah. those were created by NASA. And it just shows you that, you know, people were able to license this technology and, and really, you know, exploit it and create
0: jobs and, and growth. Yeah, that that technology, so Space Foundation has a space certification program where we will take applications of technologies that have heritage to space and give them sort of our equivalent of the good housekeeping mm. stamp of approval. Um, and I did an interview with that CEO, Heat Sheets, and it's fascinating because it was initially meant to, um, to, be a, to be a shield for different space systems from extreme heats. And then, yeah, they're ultra thin, they're great. Um, doesn't surprise me that you run marathons. It's where some of the energy <laughs> <laughs> Energy must come from. Um but I, but I actually really love that this option exists because, you know, during our, our initial call when we first met, we talked about this ability to be able to further American ingenuity and especially like seed investment into ideas. And, you know, I have a background in DARPA and I'm, I'm a big proponent of making sure that what's invested in from a basic science, basic research that we've developed to a point of fruition actually gets out into the world for other, you know, minds to utilize and to, to grow. I think it's important.
1: Yeah. And I'll just add to that, that those patents are available for licensing. And then the government right now has a lot of programs to fund job creation. So there's so many, I mean, this is really the time. And there's so many options for funding both outside of government, inside government. And there's such a push right now to try and create jobs with, you know, with those patents and with that technology.
0: Yeah. So switching gears a little bit now toward talking more on the technological side and especially with space, um, I know that that's an, that's an area that you're very excited about and especially starting to see the, the growth areas in a lot of these tangential industries and and how it could come about. Um, from what you've seen coming into the patent office and what you sort of see on your crystal ball radar, what inventions are you the most excited about and where do you think that people should really focus?
1: So what we're seeing at the patent office is there's a lot of convergence of technologies and that that is... Both interesting and challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're certainly seeing artificial intelligence permeate so many different other areas. And, and in fact, uh, we just recently did a study on where AI is happening across technology areas and across the country. Um, and so when it comes to space, it's interesting because a lot of the things that are space, there's a lot of space tangential tangential, uh, type of innovation. I call
0: it space adjacency. Space
1: adjacent, that's perfect. So we're seeing a lot in that space and we're seeing many more applications. So in around 1980, the number of patents we saw in the space area was under 2,000. And now we're seeing almost 16,000. And that's just the ones where we can identify a correlation so there many of those applications might be space adjacent, and mm-hmm. we just don't know it because they didn't call that out. Yeah. I'll also note that, you know, through the patenting process, once you get your initial patent, you still have the ability to build on that with continuation applications or additional applications. So there may be people out there who have a patent on some technology that they now think could be used in space. As long as that still, you know, as long as they're still pursuing their patents, they can they can evolve in those directions if it was you know, disclosed in their application. So um, I, it's just really exciting right now. It is. Well,
0: and, and to your point about moving into the space industry, um, a lot of the advisement that we do at Space Commerce Institute is for these existing industries to realize that the, the art of the pivot is a very real, is a really, very real path. And there's a lot of really existing advanced products that will have viability in three, five, seven years. They just haven't necessarily drawn their heritage to space or realized their insertion point yet. Um, But that's what we're hoping to change, right? By showing them the opportunity and illuminating the paths. But it is a, a really critical way for people to start thinking because you don't have to start from scratch.
1: And, and I think that's fantastic. And there's also so many inventor groups out there. There are so many people who are collaborating and sharing information in these areas that, you know, those are great resources to connect up with people, to share, you know, we want to be careful when you share you know, real thoughts in terms of your technology, but if you're working high level on a project or you can disclose it at a high level, that's a good
0: chance to meet up with people and collaborate. Absolutely. What about um, for folks outside of the United States? So we, and, and this is also going from that global space perspective, is that the United States is very much seen as a, I mean, we are, we're, we're the beacon of the space industry in a lot of ways, um, something to be replicated and everyone wants to get engaged with us. And a lot of our viewers to the vector and also people that we work with at Space Commerce Institute are not from the U.S., but they want to come into the U.S. Mm-hmm. and do business. And so from a patent perspective perspective. Um, how can they think about expanding into the U.S. market in terms of tangible steps? Do they have to have a subsidiary to be able to file a patent? Like, What does that process look like?
1: So you can file a patent from anywhere in the world. You don't need to be in the U.S. to do so. So it's open to anyone. So right. because I sit within commerce, I often focus on the work that we're doing in the U.S. and to create U.S. jobs. Uh, but a lot of the work that I do is collaborating with our allies because we're all trying to do that in our countries and we're all trying to reduce barriers for people to protect their intellectual property across borders. So there, there's so much work done in that area. We have a lot of resources on our website about it. We can give you thoughts on How if it's the opposite, if you're in the US and you want to make sure that you're protected into other countries, how you do that. But um, we we have international agreements where we all treat everyone equally across borders and, um, and all of our resources are available to everyone. So whether it's the Women's Entrepreneurship Initiative, I know I've spoken to other offices about that and said, when we post something, everybody is welcome to tune in and to hear how the system works and how we're helping people bring their innovations
0: to impact. That's wonderful because that is one of those strategy points that I think um, it's not causing hiccups with folks, but they're they're really considering how to do it. Because space, in order to achieve our collective wish of the future, it has to be collaborative and it has to be global. So for companies, you know, they're considering what does a U.S. strategy look like? When I engage with NASA, how do I engage with the European Space Agency? What does that look like? We also see companies that might be. Located overseas, but invested you know, by US com- companies or, or angel investors or others. And so um, it's not as black and white as it used to be of the space agencies and space programs of old, where it was very uh, top down. And so um, have, that's just wonderful that patents can be from, from anyone, anywhere, and that the resources are global.
1: Well, and there's a lot of resources where you can file in one country or file a certain type of application and then select where you want to go from there. So we're working across countries just to make that easier. And I love, Kelly, your your point about collaboration, because sometimes people have the misperception that you only get a patent if you want to lock things up and not collaborate. Um, And it's the opposite. If you look at the COVID vaccine, we never would have gotten to where we did so quickly if... MRNA had not been patented years ago and then disclosed to the public. Um, And then even the companies that worked on the vaccine, they collaborated and nobody's going to collaborate if they're going to lose their investment. So having the patents enables you to bring those to the table Uh, other companies can bring their patents to the table. It just really facilitates collaboration.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, and especially in space for these smaller, these smaller companies, um, because there are integration points with larger primes that already exist or being able to take two concepts, bring them together for something broader that's gonna be used. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it almost has to be part of the strategy because you really don't hear of those stories anymore from soup to nuts, a company that goes from, from ground zero into this major behemoth, just because mm-hmm. the, um, the landscape is changing so rapidly because of the innovative capabilities that you have to be able to leverage the best and the brightest. And that's actually why I like that the government has started to adopt more commercial off the shelf, so COTS products, right? Yeah. To be able to really bring in that commercial sector ingenuity with, with um, you know, the government presence and the government funding to be able to move it forward on mission sets.
1: Absolutely. And you, when, once you have the patent, you have the ability to control what you do with that idea. So mm-hmm. uh, certainly you can block other people. But if you did want to collaborate or you did want to work with government, you could you could license it. You could license it exclusively where only they could use it. You could yeah. decide you want to work with a number of different companies and license it to all of them. I mean, there, there are so many options and it really just it, it puts a nice wrapper around what you have to offer so that you have the control as to where it goes after you've created it.
0: Absolutely. Well, and, and around this sort of collaboration and partnership, um, you mentioned a lot of resources and a lot of external kind of community engagement that you do. Could you touch a bit more about the Women's Entrepreneurship Network and some of these other initiatives that you do in these innovation hubs so, so people can be aware of what those are and how they might want to get involved?
1: Of course, so there is a website and I know that we're going to we're going to provide links, um, whether it's now or or later, uh, there is a website to all of our free resources that we can provide. Um, that is all the resources that are available 24 seven. We also do a lot on training. So this is some of the training that I would think about if I was starting a business like to learn about patents and the patenting process to learn about trademarks to learn about copyrights and trade secrets so. All of that is material that I would recommend. If you're just doing your due diligence on, I might want to enter into this field, educate yourself on that while you're educating yourself on all the technical details that you need to get to where you want to go. For Women's Entrepreneurship Initiative, so because I sit, we and I sit within commerce, we are doing a lot across commerce. So the Secretary of Commerce, Gina Raimondo and I, she, she chairs it, I vice chair the Council for Inclusive Innovation. Mm-hmm. And through that, we are trying to find out, we are trying to figure out how do we make the US more innovative? How do we and, and we're doing everything from educating school children. Last year we educated 280,000 of them wow. on, on innovation and entrepreneurship. These are six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds that by the end of a by the end of a one-week camp, they're asking how they can protect their merch on the internet. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. I but love every, it. Yeah so everything from that to teaching teachers to yeah. th- the women's entrepreneurship initiative is almost at the more developed side of that where if people are thinking about being an entrepreneur, have an invention, want to know how to connect up and really join the ecosystem, we're offering a lot of material on that. We we've got monthly we Wednesdays where We'll spend a whole session talking about funding, funding from the government, funding from private places. How do you put together a pitch deck? Um, and, and in great advice, like one of the pieces of advice we got on funding is someone said, she I think it was Kara Golden who invented Hit Water. Um, she said that if somebody doesn't want to invest in you, say, OK, I get that this is not an idea you want to invest in. Who do you think might want to? Can you connect me up with other people? Yeah. So it's that like it's really practical advice, whether it's about IP or investment or about mentorship.
0: Well, and, and this level, this idea of practicality, I think is really important because um, I'm seeing it in space. And I love that you talked about this iteration of resources and trainings and sort of different front doors that people can come into, because I often find it's true in the space industry. And it's certainly true in entrepreneurship that people just get intimidated mm-hmm. and they sit there and they they either self-select out because they don't see themselves in the industry yet. They don't think their background skill set interest is relevant. And then it's almost analysis paralysis because there's so much out there that they don't know where to start. Where I always encourage people. I'm like, just have a conversation, right? Just attend one webinar. And so it's nice that you have these different levels of things to get people involved and interested, because I find that once people catch the bug or make it it feels more practical to them. It feels more tangible. They start to clue in and pay attention in different ways because they realize, oh, I can do this. Oh, there is a place for me. Maybe there are resources. Maybe I do have a great idea. And then it just starts to go up from there.
1: Well, and and I love that. And even though, as I said, we're focused on, you know within commerce, we're focused obviously on our country. Every other country is focused on job growth in their country. All of these resources are available to everyone. And We are, like I said, collaborating across borders. Uh, I recently had meetings with Canada. Uh, We recently brought in 26 nations a couple weeks ago just to talk about what more we can do to collaborate, what more we can do on mentorship. So no matter where you are in the world, we have resources. Other IP offices, we're trying to share ideas and provide resources as well. And I will say there is a great, we have a Journeys of Innovation program where we do these Longer videos that just tell innovation stories. There's one on space that I wanted to point out because um, just watching those can give you a feeling of how everything that I'm talking about and that we're talking about really comes into play when you're when you're on your journey.
0: That's great. Yeah, we'll make sure to um, include that as well and in, in part of the. Did you already send that, that? link? We'll make sure to send it. I, I
1: did. Yeah, I did send that link. It's it's Jackie Quinn. Uh, the the video is oh, about sure. yeah. and. Yeah. And her emulsion system that removes contaminants from groundwater that was initially used in space and now and now is used elsewhere. So it's a really great story with really cool pictures of her from NASA.
0: Fabulous. We'll be sure to drop that into the chat. Um, We did did get a question from LinkedIn about the use of commercial off the shelf technology. And I know that I have an answer to this, but I would love to get your perspective. So they asked, you know, doesn't using COTS give adversaries an advantage if the government's going to use commercial technology?
1: So why don't you, that, that is not something that, um, that I focus on. So why don't, why don't you answer that one?
0: Well, I was just going to say um, it, it doesn't because of the contractual way that the government will work with the commercial company because um, it's, it's obviously used for very particular use cases. Um, that's something that in the chat, you know, we, I, I can take that offline. I didn't know if you had a perspective in terms of, you know, patentable commercial technology or other thing, but it is a, it is a certain strategy.
1: Well, and I will say, you know, if, if you're talking about the underlying issue of, you know, national security and things like right. that, that's that's yet another reason why it's important to patent to make sure that, you know, a lot of this stays in the U.S. And then, you know, obviously cyber, there's other issues as well, you know, cyber being one of them to make sure you're cyber secure, because all of these great ideas are people are trying to steal them. And it's um, it's it's so important. We, we get people try it. At, at, people attempt to hack the USPTO, I can't even tell you how many hundreds of thousands of times. It's just, they, sure. want our, they want our great ideas. They want your great ideas, no matter where you are in the world, if you're submitting them to the patent office. So um, I would just, in addition to patenting, I'd be careful about cyber. And I would also be careful about funding, that make sure that the person you're taking funding for is reputable, that, um, that you know, check them out first, because otherwise that's another way that they're just going to take what you have and, um, and then you've lost it.
0: What, do you, what has been the most common mistake that you've seen people do that's very easy to make?
1: Uh, to me, it's putting the idea out there in the public before you've protected it. Yeah. Because people, people want to talk about it. They want to talk about it to get money. They, they want to write, university professors write papers on it. And if they haven't patented it first, you've offshored it immediately. Like you've just given it away. And with a patent, you're also giving the idea away, but you're protecting and controlling how it's used. Right. So the underlying ideas are still made open to the public once it publishes. Mm-hmm. So it's still a way of contributing to the dialogue. But if you've patented, then you can dictate where the jobs are. You can yeah. you can and, and and actually whether it ever gets to fruition, because if it's not protected by a patent, you may have a great idea, but nobody's going to invest in it because they're not going to get an ROI on their investment. So it's just so critical. If you want to solve world problems, if you want to, you know, innovate in the space area. You've you've got to patent it, or just it, it will never reach it across the finish line.
0: Yeah, because you know um, you often see, I you know science fiction becomes science fact, and also like Hollywood movies sometimes have certain things to it. But you sometimes see where people are like, well, I have the idea on the back of this napkin, and you're like, well, <laughs> is that really held up in the court of law? Right? You, should, <laughs> you really should have have some sort of legal process behind it. Yeah,
1: Exactly. And and absolutely. And that's why I'd mentioned this provisional patent process. So learn about this because it's not daunting at all. It is the back of the napkin idea. You just have to describe what that is. There's no specific format for it. And um, and then as long as what you build on is in that document, then you've you've locked down your date. Right. So you you now have you don't you not don't have to worry about somebody else saying that they did a back of the napkin analysis six months later. Now they think they own what you came up with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, So in our time remaining, I would love to just hand the floor over to you if there's anything that we haven't discussed, if there's anything that you want to let our viewers know about, um, time's yours.
1: Well, I I appreciate that, Kelly, and really appreciate all you do. I will say that the Department of Commerce is leaning in heavily on commercial space. It's it's one of our um, it's, it's one of the parts of our strategic plan, the Department of Commerce strategic plan. Mm-hmm. We have a space council that I'm on and that all the leaders across commerce are on. So we are here for you. We wanna know what we can do better. Um, as far as the United States Patent and Trademark Office, please explore our offerings. Sign up to receive our communications so that you start to get smart about this because it will help you more than more than you could ever imagine. And if there's something we're not providing, you can email me directly at director at uspto.gov. So feel free to reach out and say, that was great, but this is where we really need your help. I mean, Kelly, you did that when we had that conversation and you said, here's what I'm hearing from small businesses. They don't know what to do if they're going to go be- talk to a big company because they don't want their ideas stolen. And right. we've now turned that into an actionable plan where we're going to implement and more small businesses are going you know, to have more um, assets that they can use.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm actually extremely impressed that since the last call, you you put that into place where there's documents and other things, because that's that is really turning conversation into action. And um, I'm like I said, you're really shaking things up and being really proactive. And it's it shows. And I and I appreciate your openness to talk to the community and to have these conversations and especially give them resources, because that is the biggest thing is that it's. It's illuminating what the paths are, what the options are, and really making things tangible and, ex- and accessible.
1: And, and that's great. And I, I will say that if anybody on this, watching this video, even has questions, feel free to email me. I may source them out to somebody who can provide you a better answer, but we wanna have that open dialogue. We wanna, I mean, we're here for you. I mean, that, that's why we exist. Our founding fathers, when they created the Constitution, they knew that we needed this as a country. Um, and all countries are you know, have systems like this. We needed this as a country to thrive, to create jobs, to put food on the table. And so you tell us how we can help you
0: better. Oh, wonderful. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for sharing your time and expertise with us. I know that I certainly learned a lot. I'm going to start thinking if there's ideas that I should patent. Not that I have come up with any yet.
1: <laughs> I'm sure you have.
0: <laughs> Well, and I will say, can I just say something on that, Kelly? So we have
1: a new IP identifier tool we just rolled out. So if if you don't know whether you have something that you can protect with intellectual property, whether it's a patent, a copyright, a trademark, go use our tool. Um, I know we'll provide a link to it, but we're we're trying to make this easy because sometimes people don't know they have a good idea. And oftentimes they do like that. It's just a matter of figuring out, you know, how they can protect it.
0: Yeah, I remember when I started my. I didn't actually patent it. Maybe I should go back and do it. But when I ran my consultancy um, for seven years, it was on tech, tech commercialization and tech transfer. I remember when I first launched. You know, people wanted to have idea meetings to like pick my brain on stuff. And what they were actually asking for was a commercialization strategy. And my husband was like, "You do realize that that's like your own mental IP, right?" And it, and it was. <laughs> And so I ended up creating this commercialization workbook that I use and we have a little copyright, but maybe it is something that's patentable or trademarked or something. Um, I'm going to go use your tool to see if I need to do something more extreme. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Um, And we'll make sure to share all the the links to the viewers, um, both in this chat and then also when the video is processed. And to everyone watching, I really want to thank you for your time. Please stay tuned for future Vector Conversations and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.